Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League. I'm the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. You can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. And Matt, we're the number one daily NFL podcast, and we keep this that? thing going throughout the offseason. And how many podcasts do that? We're with you every day here. We're going to take you through the draft. We're going to take you through free agency. You're going to be at the Combine next week. It's such a fun time of the year. You get really sad, you know, when the season ends and this big Super Bowl happens and then the sort of the air is let out of the room and the season's over. And it's like, oh, man, no football for six months. But I get so amped for the offseason. I love this time of year. Oh, I do, too. I mean... My favorite day of the year without question is draft day. I mean, that that week when free agency opens is an utter blast, too. I love this time of year preparing for, you know, I, my, what I like so much about it is putting my mind in another team's mind, trying to think mm-hmm. as the Packers, Bears, whomever try, does and see what approach they take. I love it because there's 32 teams with 32 different draft boards, and the draft has always fascinated me so much. And for an NFL fan, draft day is really Christmas. I mean, I'll take the draft day over Christmas day any day of the week. And I like, I'm not like a super bah humbug. I like Christmas, you know. I like Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving even more just because you get to eat a lot and hang out with people and you don't have to worry about gifts. But um, I've said it on this airways many, many times that free agency in the draft is the only time where teams don't lie to us, you know, where they show us their cards and the smart evaluator can be like, oh, I see why they took that guy there or why they used this money there. I mean, all the for all the talk and all the other things is, can be smoke. But when they allocate resources for players, they tell you exactly what they think. That's a great point. And I love how, because there's so much group think as well, because media and you get leaks from scouts and you start to really think a team is going to go a certain way. And it's amazing how wrong that group think ends up being on draft day and how a different certain teams evaluate. Because it only takes one guy to love a, a player in the middle of the first round and everyone else thought he was a third round guy, you know, or, you know, big surprises. Or there's that that fan that they always will show and and he's a diehard fan of a team and he knows and he loves this one player. And then they draft Donovan, Donovan McNabb instead of Ricky Williams and they lose their (laughs) mind. And I love seeing those guys on TV that can't believe they didn't draft Ricky Williams. And uh, it's just, it's such a great time. I I love it. But um, when it comes to free agency, there is one player who just lost himself probably a lot of money. We talked on yesterday's show about how everyone needs an offensive tackle and they're throwing a lot of money at, at some players who aren't even, maybe upper echelon tackles in the NFL and Greg Robinson now is probably going to make even less than he already was. Uh, NFL network reported that the Browns weren't going to re-sign their free agent tackle in Greg, Greg Robinson already, but now uh, looking to find a new team. He was arrested at the border and has federal charges for possession of a large amount of marijuana with the intent to distribute. Uh, that's what Greg Robinson's going through right now. Not a good look as uh, a free agent is trying to cash in this offseason. Yeah, I mean, this guy, I mean, he made a big buck with the Browns the last year or two. He was the second or third overall pick and was basically a bust, was a rare. He, he's a great example of don't evaluate the combine too much. I mean, he was a great combine guy and was an okay player at Auburn and then was not an okay player since being drafted that high. So this guy's got money is what I'm saying is 
what are you thinking? I mean, football aside, he was going to be a tough sell for a team anyways. It's probably going to be one-year deal because he's a tackle. He's still hanging around. There's not many people on the planet that can move like him at that size. But, you know, what, what I'm reading here is he was found with, quote, a lot of marijuana. <laughs> Uh, at the border, I and mean, I don't doubt that he it, could handle is it more a than lot. the eight million you made last year. Right? I mean, come on, Greg. And are, are people still buying pot out of the backs of cars? Can't you just go down to a dispensary nowadays and get anything you want? That's what blows my mind. And look, right. even if it was for Fuck personal coke. use, he's like, look, I need a lot of this stuff at home. Okay, but it, it, like the the intent to distribute part—that's the charge. That's not necessarily what he was going to do with it. And I don't know if he was actually going to sell this stuff. Obviously, you wouldn't think that this guy would need to be selling it or be part of distributing pot to people. And and even if it was for himself, don't you have, I mean, you're an NFL player. Don't you have friends and runners and people that can go get that kind of stuff for you, even if you don't yeah, want to go down to the dispensary? Right. Get a gummy bear or a brownie or whatever you want. I mean, you don't need a, a minivan full of bags of leafy dope or whatever. Come on, man. Yeah. So there's obviously something from the neck up that is holding Greg Robinson back both on and off the field and it's pretty clear because you, you mentioned him dope. at the combine and he's he's exactly he, he got drafted so high because he's that prototype. You don't find many guys that are that big that can move like that. And he could have been probably as good of a player as he wanted to be. And uh, yeah, when, when you see stuff like this and it's just like incredibly stupid, it's like, what are you doing, man? There's there's no reason for a dude that's made as much money as he has to be anywhere near holding that amount of marijuana, even if he wanted to smoke it all himself. Wasn't that what Nate Newton did too? I mean, like yes. back then it was hard to get hold of dope. So I got it, Nate. You know, you <laughs> didn't make eight million last year, and a, a, a car full of dope was worth a lot back then. But now, what are you doing? It's pretty amazing. Uh, let, let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks. That little bit of a head scratcher here. We've talked about how so many teams are up against the salary cap, and I know Pete Carroll does things a little bit differently there in Seattle and might be uh, one of the most older school mindsets as far as how teams are run. But the Seahawks have signed tight end Greg Olson. One year, $7 million contract. That's a lot of money for a guy who looked pretty washed to me last year. I don't get this one. And again, I have mixed feelings about the Seahawks. I mean, people give me a hard time because I always underestimate what they're capable of. But their personnel moves are highly questionable. They're very non-analytical, and I know Carroll's a great coach, but sometimes I look at him like he's my grandfather. You know, like, what are you doing? You know, I mean, if it wasn't for Russell Wilson, would this team be 4-12 and 12 every year? It goes back to my argument that Wilson's an utter superstar and, to me, still the best player in the league. But I'm being a little harsh. I mean, Olsen, I thought he was an obvious go replace Jason Witten in the booth guy. You know what I mean? Like, right. And, and then he's been on this world tour with the, the Redskins and I forget who else he was interested in them, but fine, go to Seattle. But is he better than Will Disley and the dudes you played with Hollister? I mean, he can't run anymore. 7 million sounds like an awful lot. I know he's a high character guy and I'm sure he can help your young guys. And I'm sure Russell Wilson's not unhappy about it, but I could find a lot better ways to use seven million dollars and he's still one of those few people that is in the league that i watched in high school when i was at Pitt. so i remember watching him at wayne hills in superstar recruit but 
it's time to go to the booth, man. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I if I'm Greg Olson, I'm going to wait another extra year to go to the booth if someone's willing to give me $7 million to play another sure. year and play the sport I love. But yeah, it's the Seahawks side of things that's really questionable. Will Disley break out year before he got hurt? Maybe this says something about the health of Disley, or I don't know, you have Jacob Hollister who filled in nicely after Will Disley was gone, yeah. so... I mean, just draft a guy. Like, I don't, I don't get that move at all for the Seahawks. But yeah, I mean, you're a Niners guy. It's not like, oh no, the Seattle Seahawks right. signed Greg Olson that changed no. the balance of power in the West. It's quite the opposite. It's like, good, go right. waste that money. Yeah. <laughs> Give all them right. eight million. You're right. Uh, speaking of salary caps, speaking of money, speaking of a lot of decisions that need to be made, let's talk Minnesota Vikings with Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings next. Dudes, listen up. Let's talk about sex good sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they have a fantastic deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping, and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is LOCKEDON. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. Our guest today is Luke Braun. He is the host of Locked on Vikings. You can find him on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Luke, thanks for joining the show today. The uh, The Minnesota Vikings are an interesting team. They, they fell a little bit short in the playoffs, ran into a buzzsaw that was the San Francisco 49ers in the postseason. They've got some very high salaries on that roster, trying to get under the salary cap, depending on where you look and where you're getting your salary cap numbers. Uh, how are your feelings about this Vikings team and 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 how important is this offseason right now how many big decisions are on deck for the Vikings that could really change this franchise's direction right now yeah so it's a bit of a crossroads because the Vikings have a ton of huge contracts they're 11 million dollars over the salary cap as it stands right now and that's before re-signing any unrestricted free agents that's before any free agency stuff that they can't even sign their draft class so they got a little bit of work to do Um, But the good thing is that they have structured a lot of their contracts to have perhaps high cap hits, but low guaranteed money and therefore low dead caps. So they've kind of put themselves in a situation where they do have to make some decisions. Uh, I had Brad Spielberger, who covers the NFC North for OverTheCap.com, on Locked On Vikings the other day. And he basically said, yeah, they're going to have to cut someone, but they've set themselves up in a situation where they get to choose who that is between a number of contracts. Cornerback Xavier Rhodes, who had a really rough year in 2019, is one of those options. Linval Joseph, who I think is going to be 33 in the 2020 season. They could choose Everson Griffin, who's getting older. They could choose Riley Reef, who is an average left tackle, but if they want to try to draft somebody or something like that, they could make a lot of those different 
decisions uh, based kind of more on merit and less on whose contract is structured the worst or whatever. And so they've kind of set themselves up to be flexible in this moment. But yeah, it's going to be a, a much different looking team in 2020 and probably not for the better. Luke, that's really well said. And Kyle Rudolph's another name I've seen. They just drafted Irv Smith, but they play a ton of double tight end sets. Um, to me, Xavier Rhodes is the easy one. Like, boom, gone. See ya. You had a rough year. But more needs to be done than just that. So put your Vikings GM hat on. Who would you pick? Who who who, who do you go see the Turk? Yeah, I just did that episode uh, on Monday. Uh- okay. <laughs> Yes, and, and the way that I, I kind of ended up there was it was Xavier Rhodes, though I don't know if the Vikings will because they're going to be a lot higher on their ability to turn him around. Mm-hmm. And I would, wouldn't be surprised if they, were, if they kind of said, well, you know, maybe we'll just hope for a bounce back here. And, you know, we, we trust in our coaching and we can do that. After all, Mike Zimmer's the DB whisperer. But for me, I did Xavier Rhodes and uh, Linval Joseph who okay. he might have a year or two left in him of, of good quality play. So if he does hit the free agent market, I think anybody who needs a run stuff and nose tackle should be interested. But I'd kind of rather be early than late. And I'd rather, you know, miss out on a good year and be able to do everything else I need to do versus, you know, keep him at an expensive cap hit and, uh, you know, watch his age decline happen on my team. Makes perfect sense. I mean, in run stuffers, you know, you probably could find someone not as good, but younger, cheaper, the, a true nose tackle in the third or fourth round. They might already have that on the roster in Armin Watts. He was true. a sixth yeah. round draft pick uh, in 2019, and he showed a lot of promise as a run stuffer. Looking at Xavier Rhodes, whether they try to restructure or completely cut him, and I understand the idea that, look, this was a really good player for a long time. You don't want to just toss him aside because he had one bad year. And I do respect the heck out of Xavier Rhodes, and maybe he would be a better better fit at this point in, in sort of a, a cover three type scheme where he can still use his length, but he doesn't have to, um, you know, travel and, and follow guys around the field as much as he used to. Um, then you look at the rest of the secondary, and there's two major free agents on that side of the ball. In that position group, you have Trey Waynes and you have Anthony Harris. You, if you potentially lose all three of those players, I mean, you're in a really tough spot there uh, at the cornerback and safety position. Mackenzie Alexander, I believe, is a free agent as well, right? Correct, yeah. Their entire secondary, pretty much, is is slated to leave. So kind of how much they want to cut elsewhere to make room for them to retain some of those secondary guys is going to be an interesting declaration of like how their priorities lie on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I mean, Anthony Harris played like a top-five safety now for a year and a half, and it seems pretty clear that he just is that good and it's not a fluke. So, you know, do what you have to to get Anthony Harris back. His reputation is weirdly underrated, and you might be able to take advantage of that and, and get a better deal than what Over the Cap is projecting or, you know, what anybody I else is projecting. I think that's wishful thinking. <laughs> it's, it's a very odd, it's, I mean, yeah, he's like at the top of a lot of like media coverage and stuff, but around the NFL, you don't get quite the same sense. Um, I, I would hope so, but. In terms of Trey Waynes, I always kind of thought that Trey Waynes was going to to walk and sign somewhere else. He's a solid cornerback, too, for anybody who's looking for extra, you know, who has their – Stephon Gilmore has, you know, their their superstar corner but just needs another guy on the other side. I think Trey Waynes can be that. I don't think he can follow guys around the field. He's just not quite that good, but he can handle especially deep burners really well. Um, and I, I think that he would hit the free agent market. Um, I, Mackenzie Alexander shouldn't be too bad. The slot corners still don't make what they should be making, in my opinion. Uh, and he's a pretty dedicated nickel corner. And then, of course, the, they will have Mike Hughes to fill in whatever hole they can't retain.
Let's stick with the secondary and specifically the corners because Zimmer has a very obvious history. I mean, his defensive coordinator time in Cincinnati and carried over, of course, when as the head coach of the Vikings, when in doubt, take a six foot one corner. You know, I mean, there were times when the Bengals' biggest need certainly wasn't corner and they drafted him high. I mean, there's a lot of draft resources put in to Zimmer corners, and they're not little guys. I mean, there's obviously a type. And right. if you look at the mock drafts across the, the you know across the web right now, almost all of them have the, the Vikings going corner in round one, and it looks like a good group to pick from. Are you in that camp as well? Do you think we're going to see a repeat in history? I could totally see that. There's yeah. a few options. Uh, you know, there's a, a tackle, a zone, a zone uh, blocking scheme tackle, and Josh Jones that looks pretty good. There is, you know, a couple of like defensive linemen that maybe they could go for. But yeah, I could definitely see uh, a cornerback. There's, of course, Stefan Diggs's brother is slated to be like a, a late first round type pick, and he fits the mold. Yeah, and he fits the mold. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's there's definitely a couple of guys. I think that's probably the odds-on favorite. But with the Vikings, it's always far from a guarantee. I think they've they've learned from past mistakes in not, you know, locking into needing a specific position and like this is who we're gonna pick. Whoever the best corner is left, we're gonna take him. They don't really think that way. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's the favorite, but it's far from a guarantee. You mentioned Diggs there, and is his brother even still going to be on the Vikings? There's a lot of <laughs> chatter about potentially a trade of Stephon Diggs. You could save some money. I think a little bit there. I mean, he just signed not that long ago, so I don't know how much money the Vikings could actually save by trading. It's not that helpful. It's not that helpful? Okay, that's what I was wondering. And if it's not that helpful, then why would you trade a player who's so good? But the latest I saw is that he has deleted all evidence of the Minnesota Vikings from his Instagram account. And when you go Instagram aggro, that's how the kids do it these days. (laughs) So I don't know if that means anything or not. And it seems like there's always just a little bit of extra trouble with Stephon Diggs, whether... Uh, you know, and and mostly it's it's not, you know, it's just words. It's just like okay, he's he's whatever has to get in his own head, and then comes back and has a good year. So I don't know what to expect and, and what to think about this whole Stephon Diggs situation. You being closer to the fire, you might have a little bit of better uh, perspective on Stephon Diggs. Is he out of his mind? Is, would the Vikings actually trade this guy? Uh, so they'll never trade him unless he like holds out and it's a Trent Williams situation, which he's not going to do. In terms of his social media, uh, I think my favorite theory that I saw is that he just wants to hit on girls without them knowing he's an NFL player. So he takes it and he does that actually every season. He deletes all of his stuff from that season off of his Instagram. He posts weird cryptic stuff every off season. I think he just gets bored. I genuinely think some of it is like actually messing with the fans. Um, and, and, you know, he was pretty upset at certain times in the 2019 season. He was, he's been upset with Kirk Cousins very famously and very loudly. And the team has always responded really positively to that. So his, I call it, you know, I, I would call it leadership more than like diva behavior because the team actually like plays better when he does it. So it, there's in terms of an actual trade and the the logistics of it um he would incur a nine million dollar dead cap hit because of all the signing bonus that would accelerate and so you'd only actually net save five and a half million against the 2020 cap that probably doesn't even get you the guard that you maybe want so there's not a lot of help uh and and you'd you'd probably need a godfather offer for the Vikings to actually do it. I've seen other uh places I know that uh locked on Broncos and Cody Rorick's been talking about this a lot you know, saying, well, what about like a third rounder? And I think the Vikings hang up the phone like they did in October when a bunch of teams came and came a calling. 
they they would definitely need a, a godfather offer that's bigger than like what the Browns gave up for Odell Beckham if they were even going to think about it because it's a really, really bad thing for the Vikings to lose Stefan Diggs. And the only uh, way I could even see it is if they come to the conclusion that the locker room is better without him, that he's a problem child, and I need at least an early second, you know, like you said, because yeah. you can draft receivers. I mean, it's a great receiver draft, but you're creating another need. And I think they need a third receiver with the Diggs. Right. They only really have would only have Thielen, and then their next best receiver would be a seventh round sophomore and Ola BC Johnson, who is like maybe wide receiver four material. And everybody else is like not even guaranteed to make the team. So they would be hurting. And I, I think in terms of his like effect on the locker room, you know, if you look at some of the more key moments in the Viking season, like after losing to the Bears, Stefan Diggs made a big fit about it and they rattled off four straight. In uh, halftime against the Broncos, if you remember, they made a 20-point half, second-half comeback, and Stefan Diggs was, like, very clearly leading that charge and bringing them out of the funk that got them into that situation. So his effect on the locker room is undeniably positive. I, I challenge you to find evidence that it affects the Vikings negatively. You can't. Highly competitive, though. I mean, that's the root of it all. Absolutely. Yeah. There is another player that we've got to talk about here, quarterback Kirk Cousins, in just a minute. Uh, I have a big question about Cousins, the future of the Vikings when it comes to quarterback next. Luke, where do the Vikings stand on their franchise signal caller in Kirk Cousins? I can't believe he's already going into the walk year of that new contract. Do you see them letting this thing just play out through the end of his deal, extending him now and potentially getting some cap savings there? Yeah, so uh, I, I, usually when it comes to uh, extensions that aren't cap-saving moves, like what they did with, uh, you know, Eric Kendricks or, you know, st- stuff where you're, like, trying to get somebody's cap hit down, um, they usually handle that in training camp. So if Kirk Cousins is going to be extended, I would expect it to happen around August. But if they, his contract is very strangely structured. It is all guaranteed money, and there's no signing bonus on it. So if they wanted to, they can convert as much of that. I think it's $29.5 million for 2020. They could convert that into signing bonus as part of an extension and lower his cap hit dramatically uh, for the 2020 season and give Kirk Cousins a big giant bag of cash, and he'd be pretty happy about that. So you could do that stuff, though it does lock you into Kirk Cousins, And it's a pretty interesting quarterback draft. It's a pretty interesting quarterback free agency market. And so to kind of like throw up your hands and back out of that market just to save cap space, I think would be irresponsible. And I think there's so much of the other stuff that we've talked about with Xavier Rhodes and Joseph and, you know, letting certain guys go that I think you can make the cap space you need without doing that. And you can just wait till August and do it then if you're going to do it. See, that's the interesting. This will be a summer conversation. That's the interesting thing to me with Kirk Cousins, because if you don't, sign him long-term and get that cap number down and that cap number would help you so much and you don't go into the season with him locked up into the future, you're almost saying to me as an outsider looking in, they're telling me, okay, we're not going to go with Kirk Cousins long-term or we're not sure if we want to and maybe we'll see if we have a better option out there because um, if you don't help yourself with the cap and you don't extend Kirk Cousins, to me, that's the beginning of the end, right? Or am I looking too much into that? Um, I, I'm sure it does send that message for a couple of months. And then if you were to do that and then say, you know, nobody crazy falls to you in the draft, they pick 25th in the draft. They're probably not going to get one of the blue chip quarterbacks. Right. And if you don't have the cap space, you're not exactly going to go out and like sign Dak Prescott or anything. 
and it would probably be an unlikely situation resolving if something like that happened. Love to keep the option open just in case we get weird and someone has a bad pro day. But, you know, that's, that kind of thing is unlikely. And in the likely event that you are just, you know, Kirk Cousins is going into a contract here, you know, sign him during OTAs and get him extended. And then you're going into the season with, with a clear head about it. Luke, I don't know if you know this, but I, I just went through – um, for Draft Digest, I do what's called a draft ditty every year for their book. And I, and I pull up, I just go look at all the different draft classes, and I find like a, a an interesting trend or stat about each team. And it dawned on me while we were having this conversation that the one I came up with for the Vikings, Teddy Bridgewater is the only quarterback the Vikings have drafted in their past eight drafts. That's yeah. strange to me. Yeah, Rick Spielman does not like to – I mean, Rick Spielman's – History with quarterbacks is probably the worst part of his entire GM tenure. He drafted Christian Ponder. Teddy Bridgewater was, I would say, a a good draft pick from a process perspective, but he got hurt, and then it didn't work out. Um, And, you know, he he might be a little gun-shy about that. (laughs) Right, right. And, and yeah, there's no, like, fifth-round take-a-Gardner-Minshew type thing. Yeah, see what happens. I would prefer him to do it more, um, but it just doesn't seem to be the way that he likes to do. He likes to take a veteran backup. The Vikings really uh, were really happy with what they had out of Sean Mannion at that position, not because of his value as an insurance policy, which is pretty demonstrably bad, or demonstrably bad, um, but more because he helped Kirk Cousins prepare. And I think it's fair to say that Kirk Cousins played better than he would have if the backup quarterback were some kind of rookie or were Kyle Sloter, who ended up not making the team. Um, that is what the Vikings really want out of that. They kind of want it to be like a, a pseudo coaching position and they want yeah. a better in there rather than that. a rookie that needs to develop. And they usually they keep two, right? Uh, they've kept three, actually all of the, the last like five years, except for specifically hmm. 2019. Well, draft one, the fifth round, see if you hit. I agree with that, but we'll see if the Vikings do. Man, I forgot about Christian Ponder. That that's it's been a lot longer than I than I had thought it was going to be. Man, I'm getting old over here. Christian Ponder just kind of fell off the face of the earth. What a weird career that guy had. And uh, I like pull him. that draft class up and think of all the good players you could have had not named Christian Ponder. Oh my too. gosh! I, I don't think I will. <laughs> yeah, don't torture the Vikings fans that are listening to this podcast. Um, yeah, overdrafted for sure. But uh, a player I still liked coming out. I was surprised the way his his career went, and, and he didn't even have that long of a career as a backup guy, which I thought he. Would be good doing that as well but uh anyway let's look ahead a little bit with this quarterback situation so Kirk Cousins maybe you don't uh maybe you don't restructure or resign extend Kirk Cousins this offseason or before the draft you come up there draft day you're the Vikings pick 20 was it pick 25 right correct and I looked at the vikings.com mock draft tracker there was a lot of cornerbacks there obviously which makes a lot of sense some offensive linemen as well and there's some good corners and interior offensive linemen at that portion of the draft I think if the Vikings wanted to go that route but another name that popped up was Jacob Eason the quarterback from Washington you mentioned uh, the top tier quarterbacks Jordan Love probably seems like he's rising to the point where he might not even make pick 25 now have you thought about Jacob Eason from Washington and have you done some work on some of those quarterbacks that might still be there on the board for the Vikings in uh, the first couple of rounds it's interesting that you brought up Eason because I think of all the quarterbacks in the draft he's the one that is most like Kirk Cousins 
because he has a lot of arm talent. He has the accuracy, but he doesn't have poise. He doesn't have that ability to kind of create under pressure. And that's really the criticism of Kirk Cousins. So the way that I guess I would I would respond to that is if you are one of the people that thinks the Vikings should stay with Kirk Cousins and you just want a better insurance policy than Sean Mannion, then I think Jacob Eason is actually a pretty good pick. But if you don't like Kirk Cousins, you don't think he's the answer long term for the Vikings and you think they should re-enter that quarterback market and try something else, then I think Jacob Eason gives you, you know, more of the same. I think his ceiling is like the best we could see from Jacob Eason is what Kirk Cousins did in 2019, which could be pretty good. Mm -hmm. But if you're so bothered by, you know, the problems under pressure and the problems in big situations, I don't think you solve that by going with Jacob Eason. Uh, But he provides a decent insurance policy and a nice developmental somebody if that's the direction you wanted to go. Luke, the last thing I have for you is we were talking past Viking drafts. So I went to drafthistory.com, pulled up oh the bikes. And, you know, Irv Smith, Alexander Madison, my man Brian O'Neill from Pitt. You even mentioned Watts. Like, I think those are really good core young players. But I need your take on the last two first-round picks. Garrett Bradbury, the center, and Mike Hughes, the corner. Yeah, so I, I think Mike Hughes has been an okay corner, and mm-hmm. an okay corner with a first-round pick is something that I, I probably take every time. Um, in terms of Garrett Bradbury, he had a very strange season. He had four or five games where he completely collapsed. I called it on my show a, a piss-down-your-leg catastrophe. Um, <laughs> mostly early in the year? Mostly early in the year, although we had okay. a, another one later, you know, and they were kind of sprinkled. But it was like four or five games, and if you take those four or five games away, he was actually a starting quality you know, totally acceptable center that you, you can't really take away those games and say, well, his rookie year was actually good because those games did happen in account. But it does kind of show that, hey, that might have been rookie transition stuff. There's some hope. There is a lot of precedent, especially for interior offensive linemen to, you know, get better after their rookie season or to take a little bit of time to transition into the NFL. Garrett Bradbury started at day one. Uh, They also, in terms of run blocking, you know, they call him the Grim Reacher because of the reach block (laughs) ability that he has. And the season that Dalvin Cook had, a lot of that had to do with Garrett Bradbury, you know, getting across really, really large gaps using that mobility. And so I think the Vikings are very, very happy with what they got out of Garrett Bradbury. The Vikings fans, a little bit less so, but I like his odds to improve in 2020. It's tough being an offensive lineman in the NFL because you get that one highlight and the highlights are always bad for you. And you don't always see that guy who's able to get out on the second level and make big blocks. You're like, hey, great run by the running back. But what happened on this other sack that you gave up, Garrett Bradbury? So, exactly. It's yeah, a game of consistency, Absolutely. which is why you can't take away the really bad games. They happened and you have to clean that up. That is Luke Braun. You can find him on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, the host of Locked On Vikings. You can find that podcast everywhere that you can find Locked On NFL Tell a friend that their team is covered right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Luke, thank you so much. Appreciate the time, man. Thank you. Had a good time. And Matt and I will be back with you tomorrow, Twitter Thursday, right here, Locked On NFL.